You're listening to the Professional Brotherhood Podcast, because when the alarm sounds, nobody cares if you're career or volunteer. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Episode 101. We've made it over that hump. This is the Professional Brotherhood, and I'm glad to have you here this morning. Um, Today is a mutual aid episode, and it's going to be a brief one. Uh, I'm on my way to work, as I usually am when I record these mutual aid episodes. Uh, Today's message is, don't get caught with your pants down. (laughs) I'm sure some of you are laughing at this message or the title of this message right now, but don't get caught with your pants down. Uh, in relation and how it relates to uh, the fire service and firefighting. Um, I have long lived by uh, the following when it comes to uh, resources and needs um, at a fire scene. I would rather have equipment coming. Okay, and now I'm talking mutual aid, automatic aid, however you run it, whatever you call it in your area. Um, I would rather have resources coming and cancel them if I do not need them than to get on the scene of an incident, not have the resources I need and get caught with my pants down. And when we talk about the resources we need, the right resources that we need. Right. And where can we get those resources? And this is all part of leadership, right? If you're sitting in a ranking position, whether it's a lieutenant, a captain, or a chief officer, right, you need to know. Your job is to know, part of your job is to know where you can get the resources that you need for specific tasks, right? One company might be phenomenal at fighting structure fires, um, and they may be able to provide you with the equipment and the manpower and the um, expertise to do that job. Obviously, we all should as firefighters. Uh, but in the volunteer world, we know that some companies are better at certain things than others. So one company may be phenomenal at structure fires and amazing at MVAs, but they're not the company that you want to call for specialized rescue or wildland fires or search for whatever reason, right? That's just not uh, that's just not what they're good at. Whether they don't have the equipment for it, uh, or they don't have the manpower or the resources, right? You as a leader need to know that, right? So you can't just automatically in your head always go to the same place just because that's what you're used to, or just because they're the next town over, or just because they're the closest company possible. That's great that they're the closest company possible, but if you need manpower and they never ever supply manpower, why are you depending on them, right? Equipment is just equipment. And and this could go into another whole topic, right? This could go into our response and what have you, but equipment is just equipment. When I call for an engine and manpower to the scene of a structure fire, I'm calling for manpower for a reason. I'm not just doing it because that's what rolls off of my tongue. When I call for an engine and manpower, 
I expect you to show up with an engine and manpower, preferably on that rig, right? And that's just me. That might differ in your parts of the world because of geography, how you need to respond, where your responders are coming from, blah, 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 blah. But in, in, in my world, right, when I call for a piece of equipment and manpower, I expect that piece of equipment to show up with manpower on it. Because a piece of equipment without any manpower, one guy driving the apparatus really doesn't do anything for me, right? Sure, I may be able to plug that piece of equipment in somewhere if I need it. But other than that, one person really doesn't do anything for me, okay? One or two people. So you need to think about it that way, all right? Um, Again, know where your resources are. You know, know who your go-to people are for auto extrication. Know who your go-to people are for the varying uh, um, varieties of specialized rescue, Uh, rope rescue, water rescue, uh, whether it's dive or swift or flood emergencies, um, trench rescue, building collapse, uh, large animal rescue, right? If you're in a rural area with farms, um, you got to know where all this stuff is coming from. And if the closest available resources for those individual types of rescues or individual types of responses that you know you do not do, right? If you know for a fact you do not do trench rescue, you do not have the equipment, you do not have the manpower, you do not have the personnel trained for that type of response. If you know that for a fact, okay, why do you not have an automatic aid policy set up with the company that you know does do that? So that when that type of call gets dispatched in your response area, you don't even need to think about it. That company is automatically getting dispatched alongside of you, right? And now you don't have to go to the scene, size this thing up, decide, all right, that's who I need. And then you're caught with your pants down because again, you're five minutes or so, however long it took you to get to that scene, right? Behind the eight ball. Listen, if you don't want to go that route, I know lots of chiefs, lots of leaders that don't like that. For some reason, they don't like automatic aid, whatever that reason may be. Um, at least as soon as you, you know, call in service on your radio, call responding, get on that radio and request those resources. Again, time is such an important factor in everything that we do. So if you're doing, you know, if you're going to a water response and you don't own a boat and the closest boat is 20 minutes away, why aren't you calling for a boat as soon as you get dispatched to that water response? Or better yet, why isn't that boat an automatic aid to you and your area um, when there is a water response? We don't want to get caught with our pants down. That's the bottom line, right? First of all, how many of us have been to the, and, and, and this is slightly off topic, right? But how many of us have been to that scene, right, where you roll up before any of your equipment, 
it's happened to me several times over the years. As an officer, as a firefighter, back in the day when I used to respond in my personal vehicle to the scenes, right? Because that's the way we used to do it. You get on the scene and you get there ahead of the engine at a structure fire. And there you stand in your PPE, right? With no equipment, no manpower, no engine, no hose, no water, right? Obviously, you can't help that in that situation, but how helpless do you feel, right? Think about the same thing, right? If you're going to something that you know, that you know you cannot handle, that you know you don't have the equipment or the manpower to, to, take, to take care of, well, then you have to get the equipment or the manpower there, right? And the right equipment and manpower. Again, don't go to company A because company A is the one that's in the forefront of your mind because that's who you call all the time because they're the closest. If company A can't solve the problem that you need solved, right? Remember that. These are the things that you need to formulate in your head as a leader, right? Where do I get the resources that I need? How long do those resources take? And when do I call them? Do I put them on automatic dispatch? Do I call them as soon as I get in my truck, call in service, and call and, and, and I'm responding? Just get them rolling, right? Save that time. That's the world I live in. I like to save that time. I would rather have them on the road driving towards me, get there, not need them, cancel them, and everything be okay then get there and all hell fucking break loose because I waited too long or I didn't have the proper alarm assignment set up, okay? Let's jump out of the leadership realm for a minute and just think about everyday response and not getting caught with our pants down. Many of us use technology today in the volunteer world to know who we have responding. Uh, in my world, we use I am responding. There's companies out there called uh, Rover. There's uh, Active 911. There's a few other ones out there that I know many of you use. Are you using that technology to the best of its ability, right? Do you know who is responding from home, from work, where they're coming from, how many people you have coming into the station, how many chauffeurs you have coming, how many pieces of equipment you're going to get out the door? Is that equipment going to be fully staffed or not, right? Are you using that technology to your benefit? Or are you still just showing up at the firehouse, hoping that somebody else shows up, and then rolling out with nobody on your apparatus? Again, what does a piece of equipment with no manpower do? If you do not know that you're going to have manpower on the scene when you get there because your personnel responds to the scene, and you have nobody in your equipment with you, you're going to be caught with your pants down. If you roll into a scene and you are legit by yourself, on an engine, all right, because nobody's responding to the scene or nobody came to the station to crew that engine, right? You are going to be caught with your pants down. You are going to potentially get yourself in trouble because as emergency responders, what do we have? We have this desire to act, this duty to act, right? So if we roll into a structure fire by ourselves, what are we going to do? We're going to try to act. We roll into a structure fire by ourselves with, a, with entrapment. Somebody's hanging out the window screaming 
Or somebody says, you know, my baby's inside, my child's inside. What are we going to do? We're going to act. We're going to jump into action. And if you're by yourself, if you're shorthanded, if you're short-staffed, if you're caught with your pants down, you're going to put yourself at extreme risk. So why aren't we using these technologies that we have to make sure that we've got the people coming, the resources coming, the, the staffing that we need to get this emergency started? Why aren't we mandating it that if we have it, why aren't we mandating it that our members use it? It shouldn't be their prerogative whether they choose to utilize a technology that we're spending money on and using or that we're spending money on to have available, right? I, it's, it's such an invaluable, such a valuable tool to me as a leader to be able to open my phone and see that I have 15 firefighters responding to the station, four of them being chauffeurs, uh, 10 of them being interior qualified. Like I know that I'm rolling out the door with a staff, with a crew that can do work. Don't get caught with our pants down, right? What if you're responding mutual aid to a department that depends on you? What if you're responding as writ or fast? Don't roll out the door with two people on your apparatus. We all know you can't handle a writ call, a real writ call with two firefighters, right? Don't get caught with your pants down, right? I think you guys all see where I'm going with this one. Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. Look at look at how you're making those calls. Look at how your organization is responding. Look at the technology that you have. Are you using it properly? Right? Are your firefighters using it? If not, why? Why are you giving the choice them the choice whether they should use it or not? They should be mandated to use it. Right? So I think I gave you something to think about this morning. Look in the mirror. Look at yourself as a leader. Look at your organization. Look at how you're doing things. Guys, I do this shit all the time. The people I surround myself with do this all the time. It's about critiquing yourself and making yourself better. We all love to talk shit about everyone else in the fire service. Oh, look at what that guy did at that call. Look at that, how he commanded that call. Look at the mutual aid. He, he called for... Uh, Call X versus call Y. Why are you so concerned with what everybody else is doing? Be concerned with yourself and what you're doing and how to make your company and your organization better, how to make yourself better as a leader, right? Sure, part of that is watching others and listening to others and figuring out how you might do something differently or how you think you might do something better, right? But don't be this Monday morning quarterback keyboard warrior, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365, that never does a damn thing about making yourself or your agency better, right? That's what you should be focused on. All right, I'm going to leave you with that. I think that's a good place to leave it today. As always, my friends, thank you, thank you, thank you for uh, listening into the podcast, um, supporting the social media feeds. Uh, if you have any feedback, Shoot me an email, professionalvff, that's professionalvff at gmail.com. You can always message me through Instagram at professional.brotherhood. Um, go to the webpage, professionalbrotherhood.com. Uh, Facebook at Chief Soller. And uh, please, please, don't forget, a paycheck does not make you a professional. A paycheck does not make you a professional, right?
how you approach the job does. That's what it's about, right? Keep that in your mind, right? Do the job. Remember when the alarm sounds. Nobody cares if you're career or volunteer. Have a great day and enjoy your Memorial Day weekend if you're listening to this prior to the Memorial Day weekend. Talk to you soon, guys.